Namaste, and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny. Today I wanted to speak about the concept of Dharma. Dharma is a Sanskrit word in the yogic language, which is an ancient language that's no longer spoken, but used in prayer, resuscitation, chanting, and um, is considered very powerful. It comes from the root dhr, D-H-R which literally means to uphold, to live in a way that's sustainable, that upholds and nourishes your being as well as the fabric of the world, the fabric of community and society too. So Dharma is this beautiful pillar concept in the yoga tradition And it really infiltrates many of the mystical traditions. This idea that what we're doing, like a ball of yarn, pull on one end and it affects the other end. And this interconnectedness has become more and more obvious and prevalent in our current society. And... It's such an important concept because it speaks to our life and how we're choosing to live our life. Being a modern mystic is really feeling into our soul's purpose. Why are we here? It is my belief that we are here for a very specific reason and each of us holds a really unique medicine that only we can offer to the world. And when we're following our dharma, that which sustains us on the inside, that which nourishes us on the inside, that which lights us up from the inside out, then we glow and help illuminate the world. There's a beautiful saying by John A. Shedd that was a writer in the late 18, um, excuse me, 1920s. A ship in harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are built for. And so Dharma, though an ancient concept, can really help us cultivate when we study it, when we meditate, contemplate, even pray on this idea of cultivating our inner GPS, because that's what modern mystics do, right? It's not only using the analytical, intellectual thinking mind, which of course we do as well. That is one aspect of our inner spiritual technology. But another aspect that is as important and arguably even more important is the technology of that inner GPS that we haven't really been... Um, raised to listen to. Most of us were not raised by parents who did that themselves, who knew how to do that, who had the tools, time, and were supported to do that. 
And so we ourselves live in this society where we aren't even encouraged to listen to our intuitions. Actually, contrarily, we're, we're really taught subliminally and pretty overtly not to listen to our instincts and that inner GPS. You know, so much of the mindfulness world, which I'm very involved in, is about retraining and reclaiming our listening to the simple things like what's our stomach telling us? Are we too hungry? Are we too full? Are we sleepy? Do we need to rest? Do we need to pause? Do we need to quicken our energy and breathing? Or do we need to slow it down? All these internal cueings ideally would come from an inner sense of deep knowing of what's happening to us on all layers of self, from the outer exterior layer of our body through the many layers of being embodied, through our intellects, our psyches, our energetic bodies, our intellectual bodies, our intuitive wisdom bodies, that inner GPS I'm referring to, as well as our inner bliss bodies, the innermost core of ourselves, known as consciousness, void, God, goddess, whatever you call it, presence, the I am. And so to know these parts of ourselves, all parts of ourselves, is part of the path of the modern mystic. And one could argue really the entire path of the modern mystic. Because when we're in deep relationship with all these aforementioned aspects of ourselves, then we not only know ourselves with the capital S, but we know how to fully show up in the world as our most true authentic selves, which will benefit the world, society, and uphold the integrity of all of it from this self-knowing. And so this is part of the journey of the modern mystic. And in the yoga tradition, this tenant teaching of dharma is most popularly and well known by the epitome of literature called the Bhagavad Gita. The Bhagavad Gita is a smaller excerpt from a great literary work called the Mahabharata. Maha means great, and Bharata means the stories of the Bharatas, the people of India, but really implying the human race. It was written sometime at approximately 400 BC to 400 CE, and it's the story of the quintessential collective society of the human race. And in the story, it's a whole family. It's a human family. And they live together for many generations on a family tree, very harmoniously, very beautifully, until slowly but surely, people and factions of the family start to break, start to misalign and deflect the light and the fabric 
and the integrity of this tapestry of family starts to be eroded and show signs of holes and dilapidation due to certain individuals becoming out of alignment with themselves and thus their dharma. Eventually, this misalignment over time starts to bring grave danger to the world and this human family gets broken into two clans, so to speak. One of the clans is called the Kauravas, and this is the faction of the family where the light's been deflected, constricted. They're out of alignment, and what happens even in the environment and things that happen around them, too, become tumultuous and harrowing and difficult, and there's lots of suffering. The other faction of the family are clans called the Pandavas. And they're the, the faction of the family, the clan that still understands the importance of sustaining the light and preserving the integrity of the whole. The cultivation of practices that help them leverage and tune into their inner GPSs and intuitive bodies and make decisions from that place that in turn serve the world and they act from that place. And so the Bhagavad Gita that I mentioned is this very, very famous extraction from this epic, epic, long tale of thousands and thousands of verses. And in these several chapters called the Bhagavad Gita, parenthetically, it's one of the most translated texts in the, in the entire world and one of the most famous all over the world. The Bhagavad Gita is a period within the story where the main character, his name is Arjuna, and he is one of the Pandavas, the clan's members who are aligned with the light and sustaining the light. His story is central at this point in the epic tale. And he is the greatest warrior of all time, like completely in his dharma, rocking it, and, you know, can ride a horse backwards and have four bow and arrows every which direction and be shooting them, hitting four different targets while he is, you know, directing an entire army. And he's so masterful, skillful. He was born to do this. He was raised to do this. He loves to do it. He's in his element and never more um, skillful and aligned when he is accomplishing these different missions in the story. However, at this point, called the Bhagavad Gita, the smaller story within this larger context of a tale, he finds himself in a situation that's very difficult. And the situation is, is that this family has been now fractured essentially into two. And when he goes to the battlefield to take care of business, which he's used to doing and even enjoys doing because he has such a skill set to meet his destiny in this kind of way, he looks across the battlefield and he sees his family members. He sees people who babysat him and he sees all sorts of people he loves, cousins, aunts, uncles, teachers, and he becomes filled with dread and then he becomes paralyzed. 
And the story, almost like a Shakespearean soliloquy, where when you go to a Shakespeare play, yeah, like the whole action and plot stops and how the character turns and looks at the audience and will talk and tell you his or her internal dialogue. Well, this moment in the literature work does the same thing way before Shakespeare. <laughs> and he begins for many, many chapters to speak of his internal struggle because he doesn't want to kill these people that he loves and he doesn't want to um, be faced with such a difficult task. And so he freezes and he even actually collapses in despair. And this is such a beautiful example of what really we all face in our lives, right? We have these moments where we feel like we can't go on. We might have days, we might have years of these, right? These stretches or a period of time where we really feel like we don't know what to do. We feel confused by life. We feel we have no idea what we want to do, what we should do. And we want to crawl into a hole or, you know, fill in the blank, but do anything rather than face and figure out what we're supposed to do. Arjuna uh, is literally the Sanskrit word for like being of light or light being. And so Arjuna has this charioteer driver. His name is Krishna, who takes him to all the different battles and helps clean up his wounds and tend to his injuries. Krishna is with him. And Krishna, actually, interestingly enough, means dark waning moon and refers to that inner GPS, that inner knowing, right? That's dark, that's underneath the surface, but that is completely wise and completely knows that which is dharmic. And so in this text of dharma, Krishna begins to school him and elucidate and speak to him about all the ways that the world really is, about this concept of dharma, and helps support him to process this understanding of what dharma is and his role and how his role is pivotal and his dharma is pivotal to the fate of all of humanity. And this is the great lesson for each one of us of this text. During this text, as he looks over this field, he asks himself, what is my responsibility? What's my ability to respond? And that's really at the heart of Dharma because each one of us was born for a reason and the universe needs us. The universe has put us in, like picking a certain sports person to play in a specific game, right? We're, we're up, we're taken off the bench and we're put in this game of life. And when we're paying attention, cultivating, moving towards our gifts, this is when we fulfill our destiny, our dharmic destiny. Like the writer Shed said, a ship in harbor is safe. But that is not what ships are built for. And we are these grand ships meant to be put on the waters of life. And sometimes those waters 
are serene. And sometimes those waters are tumultuous. And no matter what those tides might be of life circumstances, it is up to us to be steady in our commitment to aligning with what are our passions? What are our unique talents? What is the thing or offerings that you can make in your way that nobody else can make? And to move towards those things, to move towards those conversations and those people who help remind you and cultivate and develop those things because you were built for an incredible journey that society needs for you to fulfill and right now it's apparent more than ever that each one of us is being asked to do just this so i'd love to take you through now a practice a practice of dharma. So wherever you are, find yourself stably sitting or lying flat where you feel supported and like you could close your eyes and you feel comfortable. Feel your legs and hips meeting the floor, totally supported and take a breath. As you begin to settle into the space of quietude, start to listen to the sound of your breaths, lulling like waves, like the tide coming in and the tide going out. And you are the boat receiving the ebb and flow of these waves of breath and feel how you were made for the breath and these waves and feel how when you sense the support of these waves you can let go like a boat trust the water and be held With each ensuing inhale, with each full exhale. And now begin to picture, some of us visualize well, others of us not so much, and it's more of a sensing, which either it is for you, picture or sense a lake or a pond. A body of water. And you're going to throw in a sweet question, like a stone or a river rock, shell, whatever it is. And simply inquire. It's called dharna. You're going to inquire. What is my highest dharma? 
for my soul? What is my dharma? What is my unique calling that only I can offer in my way that will uphold the integrity of this world? Take a few more gentle breaths. Any thoughts come that are extraneous, this is normal, this is natural. Simply redirect the mind to thinking, what's my dharma? And then you don't figure it out intellectually. You simply open up like the water. Feel the words. Let them penetrate deep into each layer of self, into the deepest layer of self, breath by breath. Show me my dharma. What lights me up? What do I wish to offer that I don't even know I do? but somewhere I know I do. Stay with your breath. Stay with asking the question, being open to receiving any answers, your own voice, or simply rest in the quietude another few moments of the question. Continuing to hear the wave-like breath lapping in on the inhale and floating out on the exhale. Begin to deepen it a little bit. And once again, feel into your hips and your legs. Feeling yourself consciously a vehicle Feel yourself and your body, your skin, your bones, your whole body that's dense and solid. And take a few breaths into this feeling of being solid, a structure made for a journey. And then one more time, you can remember your body of water. That's your Krishna, the dark water, the part of you that holds all the answers. And it might not be that an answer rose right now. But the mystic knows and asks the questions. 
you can begin to open the eyes a little bit, moving the hands and feet a little bit gently. The mystic is unafraid to go into battle, so to speak, though it's not always an overt war, though Arjuna ultimately, not to ruin the end, but it's important to punctuate this time together saying he does go, he realizes his gifts are a warrior and his not being there will change the destiny of everything. And you're not being there. You're not showing up in the ways that you can will change the destiny of everything. So know your own light. Remember it. Remember in the upcoming days to listen because mystics look for clues. And once we unabashedly, without fear, or maybe we have some fear, but we do it anyway, because that's what a mystic does, goes into the deeper waters of our psyches and explores swimming in our soul's ways, asking these kind of questions, then when we even resume our day-to-day life, the universe will give us answers back. It might be in a sign you see. It might be in a conversation all of a sudden you overhear of strangers or something online you hear, but stay open like water, stay receptive. Because when we ask those questions with sincerity and with bravery, with the willingness to be that ship in the harbor and not just play it safe, like society tells us, like most of us were brought up thinking and believing and are still to this day given the message but when we realize we're built for so much more and we're here to literally at this incredible moment in time birth a new way of being this is an epic time if we all rise up to carpe diem and seize it to make shifts in our infrastructures, in our belief systems, in the ways that we're doing things that are no longer sustainable, whether it's economically, whether it's humanitarianly, or whether it's for the environment. Things have to shift, and we are here for this journey. And let's take our ships, because we're built for the ocean. We are built for adventure and bring your light like Arjuna's name and find your dharma and be that warrioress be that warrior and that character is so beautiful because you know he's afraid even though he's strong like physically and and has never lost anything he's still afraid and he is us and we are him right if we move towards these things, of course we're going to feel fear. We're going to feel afraid, and that's okay. He shows us in the story he's afraid, and he has these moments where he wants to crawl back into bed. And if you have those moments, that's okay too. It doesn't make you less. It actually makes you more because you showed up fully and always for yourself. You've gone to darker places within yourself, and you've 
come back and you are a full human being and you've reconciled those things and you're still going to move forward and do your dharma. And how amazing is that? So I invite you in the next few days, in the next week, look out, look for those signs. Listen to your inner GPS and keep asking yourself, what is my responsibility? What's my ability to respond? As you look out over on the field of your life, the land of this world, and think about what you're doing next. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modernmysticlove, where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.